We are delighted to have Brian and Sherry Broderson with us today. Let's give them a round of applause. Um, so thankful, so thankful. And, um, you know, you guys come up often and people say, like me, oh, we've known each other for a long time. And every year we say it, but we have. We were just reminiscing how um, I was at the first Creation Fest. I don't know, it was like 15 years ago. 18 years ago, playing my guitar to 30 people in Woolacombe, North Devon. And here we are, 2,500 people. So it's amazing. Um, so I'm going to pray for you guys. And um, yeah, let's just uh, pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for Brian and Cheryl, for their ministry, Lord. We just thank you for what they're bringing us to us today, Lord. And we do pray that you open all our hearts, Lord, to receive from you this morning, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I listened to the instructions, just saying. So, um, it, I, I don't know what it says on the schedule, but... So, you know, as we put together the teaching for the week, um, <clears throat> just so happened that this session, as, as I was putting, you know, matching the, the text with the various teachers, that Cheryl ended up with the passage here. And I said, hey, why don't I come and help you with the passage? Okay, and, wait, uh, I don't, I've never heard this version. <laughs> and... Um, so here we are together. Uh, this is really Cheryl's teaching session, but I'm, I'm here to assist her. So we're going to uh, read over a passage here. We're going to pick up in verse 15 of chapter 5, reading. Cheryl's going to read that portion and then right into the portion regarding the women. And then I'll pick up and read uh, the part regarding the men. And, you know, one of the things that we've discovered over the years of being married and of counseling and things of that nature, that, that quite often the, the problem is that the men are more focused on the, the text that deals with the women, and the women are more focused on the text that deal with the men. And so we, we want to encourage ourselves and you as well um, to focus on the text that is speaking to you. Because if we do what the passage says, if the women do what the passage says and the men do what the passage says uh, that for them, that's going to make for the kind of marriage that, that God desires for us to have. I'm really blessed to have the care for the family people here, to have Rob as he shared. And just looking at some of those statistics, 19 million families here in the country and, and we know that families are so important. And of course, the family begins, obviously, with the husband and wife. So we're going to look at that section. And then the, the children, uh, you know, going on into chapter six, uh, that'll be covered tomorrow. So we're, we're going to just go through the end of chapter five. And I'm going to turn it over to my lovely wife to read uh, from verse 15. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. 
Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourself to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife And the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. And so, Lord, we do pray uh, that you would help us as we walk through this text together today, uh, that you would speak to us and speak through us. Uh, for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So Cheryl and I were talking about this. You know, we, we heard a little bit this week in some of the seminars that um, in, in the culture and maybe, you know, at certain times in the culture and maybe perhaps even in the church, uh, that marriage has, has become an idol to certain people. In other words, they sort of see it as uh, a savior. You know, if I could only get married, if I could only have a family, then everything's going to be wonderful and, and all of that. And, and both of us looked at each other and said, well, I think God raised up our marriage uh, just so it couldn't become an idol to people um, because we have a great marriage. Uh, we're going to celebrate 40 years of marriage uh, next year. And yet we have a lively marriage as well, which uh, sometimes consists of Occasional disagreements and things of that nature. Uh, one, one quick story. When we used to live here in London and we were pastoring, uh, we had a young couple that, that worked with us. And uh, we had two couples that worked with us. Um, so one, one who was our uh, like assistant, uh, Alwyn Wall is his name and his wife's name is Gloria. And, um, and then Raphael and Loretta are the other couple. Uh, they're in Mallorca, Spain. And, um, but when we were working together, Raphael and Loretta were not married. Uh, they just began to date. And, and Alan and Gloria had a very, um, their marriage is just so, 
you know, every, everything was soft-spoken, it was very gentle, kind, respectful, all of those kinds of things. And so um, Cheryl and I had a little bit of a different marital experience, a little bit fiery, things like that. So Rafael and Loretta got married. They moved back to Spain and they were having some struggles. And Rafael, he rang me up on the phone one time. And he said, you know, Brian, uh, Loretta and I, we always prayed that we could have a marriage like Alwyn and Gloria, but we think we got one like you and Cheryl. <laughs> so that's why we're calling you. We need help. So, um, so I'm going to turn it over to the lovely Miss Broderson here and she can take it from there. I love that men have the greater responsibility. We have to be like the flawed church as women. And we have one word, submit. The men have to be like Jesus. They have to love us as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Because the church is blemished and it is spotted and it's imperfect. And I love how Jesus holds us up to a standard of grace. You know, marriage is only possible by the Spirit of God. We need to be filled with the Spirit. As we heard earlier this week, it's about the grace that we've been given coming into us and working itself out. And there is no greater place to have grace worked out than in marriage. No greater place. This calls for the exercise of grace on a daily basis. This calls for forgiveness. This, you know, Brian and I, 85% of the time, have a great marriage. Yesterday and today, we're in the other 15%. It's been tough. It's been really, really tough. In fact, I told him, I think you can do that marriage seminar by yourself better. You can do it better. You tell those men how to be like Jesus. Just go for it. I'll be there watching, taking notes. And he said, and you tell those wives how to submit. And I said, I will as unto the Lord. I just want to say to the women real quickly what submission is and what it isn't because it is not performance. I just want to say it's not performance and it's not suppression. I have a friend who suppressed, 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 but to all of us, she looked angelic. No matter what her husband said or did, she said, yes, dear. Yes, dear. Yes, dear. And then one day she took a knife out of the kitchen drawer. She went out to her back garden and she stabbed a tree 28 times, pretending it was her husband. That's suppression. That's not submission. The church submits to Jesus. But what is something that the church does? We as members of the church, we tell Jesus how we're feeling. We tell Jesus what we need, what we want. There is constant communication. Pray without cessation. There is communication. There is relationship. Submission is meant to be relational. It's meant to be communicating. Brian needs a sounding board. He needs somebody that he can process with, that he can be himself with. 
You guys get the sweetness. I get Mr. Grumpy. I get Mr. Tired. I get Mr. I ate the wrong thing at the festival. And I overate at the festival. No offense, Brian. But I'm the sounding board. And he doesn't expect me to go, you're so wonderful. I'm here. I'm just submitting. He needs someone to say, well, don't try this grumpiness with anybody else. It's not going to go over well. In fact, let me lay hands on you and drive whatever that is away from you. I'm kidding, of course. One of the things that we have in our marriage that makes it work is humor. Sometimes we're laughing with each other and other times we're laughing at ourselves and it goes a long way. But submission is letting him lead, letting him take the lead. He's driving the car, but that doesn't mean I don't say, watch out for the rock in the road, like I did, remember the other day and you ran over it anyway. (laughs) It, It doesn't mean, well, I won't tell you what my needs are. I'm just here to fulfill your needs. It's this open communication with each other. But he has the leadership. He makes the decisions. And we go together. But he's first listened to me. And it's a sounding board. And he makes his decisions with me in mind. So speaking of humor, um, anybody who is sitting near me this morning might have seen me um, laughing quite, not hysterically, but actually I, I was laughing quite a bit. Because we were sitting and we were listening to Tommy's fantastic message on love. And Cheryl is taking copious notes. And, um, and then she shows me her notes. Well, I, I never could actually see what it said because, you know, it was so small. Um, but then she proceeded to tell me uh, what it was. And it was all the things that Jesus wouldn't say to Cheryl. And... They happen to be things that she thinks I said to her. Now, I don't recall saying those things or at least saying them in the way she thought that I said them. But it just really uh, got me laughing. And I said to her, I said, so is that what the Lord's speaking to you through Tommy's message? Because I'm getting an entirely different message. And it's a message of forgiveness and kindness and grace, which of course I am showing you now because I did repent of my grumpiness, as she said. Uh, and you know, sometimes you have to repent of things you don't even know you did. But <laughs> since they insist that you did do it, this is then suppression right now. This you, is suppression. Uh, <laughs> you do repent. <laughs> um, we have fun over these kinds of things. And uh, of course, when you're, when you're going to teach together. And you know, when we do these, um, you know, occasionally we, we will do uh, talks together. We wrote a book on marriage. I think some of you probably saw that over the years. We didn't bring any copies uh, this year. But, um, but we, we kind of do this like we are literally doing it right now. We do it more spontaneously. So some years ago, some friends of ours up in Seattle, Washington, they asked us to come up and, and do the marriage thing. And we went up and we did it. And some lady did, she just did not approve of our um, message. And she came up to us afterwards and, oh, she wrote us a letter. And she told us about our little shtick, 
I don't know if, if that's even a term that you, that you guys use here, but it's like our routine, your little act, you know. Oh, I, I just wasn't impressed with your little act that you did up there. I and was it, flattered it, that she thought we practiced. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, both of us thought how hilarious that is to think that we actually, you know, rehearsed this routine and got up and, you know, we've got every sentence in order and all of that. No, we don't even know what we're doing up here. We are just uh, going off the cuff. But you figure after 40 years, uh, you got a lot of material to work with. So, um, but also after 40 years, like also the 40 years, the brain stops working at a certain point. So you can't remember half of it. So, all right. So Cheryl wants me to get to the most important point of the whole message. And that is the word to the husbands. How many of you are husbands in this room? Raise your hand if you're a husband. All right. Great. Okay. Now you're going to get it. Fellas, here it is. <laughs> now, maybe you remember on Sunday, I said this um, about God and us. And, and I talked about how the, the letter to the Ephesians is laid out. And, and really the whole of the Bible is really pretty much laid out this way. It tells us first what God has done. And then it calls us to a response. And this is the same way that uh, God communicates with us in regard to marriage. The man, the husband, is like God in the sense that we are the initiator and the wife is really the responder. And so if, if our wives are responding in a way that we don't think they should be responding in, we have to stop and say, well, wait a second. Uh, maybe it's because I, as the initiator, are not, uh, I, I'm not doing what, what I'm supposed to do. And that's theoretical. That might happen with somebody's marriage, but of course... Uh, that's, I'm not talking about myself here, but, um, but let's look at it, fellas. It says, husbands love your wives. And then it tells us specifically how, just as Christ loved the church and, and here's the key and gave himself for her. So it, this is the kind of love that we are to have. Now, Jesus becomes our role model, which is really good because uh, when we ask, well, what does this look like? We have the gospels uh, to, to look at. We, we can look at the life of Jesus. We can look at how Jesus responded, uh, how he dealt with people and things. And, and, you know, of course, we see that Jesus was, was full of grace and, but, the, but the main thing that Paul points to is not even exactly the life of Jesus, but he points to the death of Jesus, the great sacrifice. So loving our, our wives as Christ loved the church looks like giving ourselves sacrificially for our wives. And I do that fairly consistently, right? Yes? Come on. Chime in. Except for yesterday and today. Yes. yes. Very well. Okay. Well, that's five out of seven days. I mean, that's pretty good, I think. So, uh, See, we knew the storm was coming. So, so this is it. And Tommy was talking about this earlier. You know, love in the Bible is not about feeling, although, of course, feeling is connected to it. 
But isn't it true that so often, now listen, I have heard this over and over and over again over many years of pastoral ministry and counseling. I have heard people sit in front of me and tell me that they are going to divorce and they tell me they're going to divorce because they no longer love their spouse. And what they really mean is I no longer have the feelings for them that I used to have. Now, some people, I have actually asked people, how did you ever get married in the first place? Did you guys ever even like each other? Because it doesn't appear that way from where you're at today. But the, you know, the the unforgiveness and the bitterness and all these things, sometimes they go back so many years that it's hard to believe that there was ever a time when these two people could fall in love and be married. But it, it comes back so often to this issue of feeling. I don't love them anymore. As a matter of fact, I've had many people say this to me, I never love them. And of course, we know in certain situations where, you know, maybe a husband has said to a wife, well, I never really loved you in the first place. And they've been married for 30 years, but I never loved you. Oh man, talk about a dagger through the heart. That is probably one of the most painful things a woman will ever hear. But what the man is really saying is, I I don't have the feelings anymore. But if we understand biblical love, we understand that feelings are about 2% of what biblical love is about. Because we all know for sure that Jesus did not feel like being crucified that day at Calvary. As a matter of fact, he said to the Father in prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, if it is possible that this cup can pass from me, let it pass. That's how he felt. But... Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So there have been times in our lives, maritally, where we have had to just forget the feeling part and remember that we are committed to one another. Um, just that, that's what love is. It's a commitment. We made a commitment to each other. And regardless of how we feel right now, Because Cheryl has told me there have been times when she didn't feel like she loved me. I never had a feeling like that, so I couldn't really, you know, reciprocate that. But, you know, she's had a few moments where she didn't feel like she loved me. But she kept loving me anyway, right? You made dinner. You you made me my favorite uh, meal. So. His favorite meal is curry, and I don't do a good curry. There you go. All right. Well, you let me get one when we're... I don't know where all of this is coming from. This is interesting. Well, she apparently is finished. She read her verses, said a few words, and now she turns it over to me. The whole rest of the text is about me. I'm trying to get her to engage in this conversation here. That's what's going on. So, but let me go on and please jump in anytime you feel inclined. First of all, the notes that I gave him. So, what I heard from Tommy Fretwell is that we are to be imitators of Christ, right? And that's what the men are supposed to be, to imitate Christ. So in imitation of Christ, Jesus never says, I have the right to be grumpy with you because you're inconveniencing me right now because you want the key to the cottage And I've got important people to talk to. And I'm not going to give you the key to the car to get the key to the cottage out of. I have to walk you to the car and get the key out. Which means you have to follow me and just wait. That was 
That was a moment. And then it was, I was trying to get the key and he said, quit acting crazy. And Jesus would not say that. This is cathartic. I've got more to say. It's just all coming out right now. It's feeling good. It's feeling good. No, really, it's, I want to say this. I want to give a caution about imitating Jesus because it, it can backfire. It can condemn you. It can frustrate you. It can make you self-righteous. And we know this by our youngest son who got a WWJD bracelet when he was five. And he put us all under the WWJD law. And if he felt I wasn't speaking kindly enough to his father, he's five, he'd hold up the bracelet and just shake his head like... And WWJD, for anyone who doesn't know that, it's what would Jesus do? It's a what would Jesus do bracelet, right? And the one who got the most condemnation was his brother, Char, who is eight years older than he is. And just everything he did, there would be the arm. And for a week, Braden didn't say anything. He just held the bracelet up. When anything, you know, if, if Brian did anything, he didn't like the way he talked to him, you know, Braden, get off my computer. And finally, it it came to a head. This is why we lived in England, actually. We were sitting at the dinner table, and Char said something. Braden held up that bracelet, and Char turned to him and said, You little Pharisee, I'm about to tear your arm off your body. (laughs) It just got so hard trying to imitate Jesus without having the spirit of Jesus working in us. We have to let grace work Jesus in us and through us and out of us. If we, if you try to, if we as wives try to submit for submission's sake, just because we read it in the word, we're going to suppress and we're going to just hold it in, hold it in, and it will explode. It will, and it will not be pretty. And I think that if we're really honest, we've all had those either internal explosions or outward explosions, or one day the wife just turns to the husband and says, I don't want to do this anymore. And he had no idea it was coming because she's been more about looking like I'm submitting than being truly submitted first to Jesus, first to his grace, letting it flow through us. And the same thing for the men. To have the responsibility of trying to be like Jesus. I mean, obviously, if Brian fails, that means everybody fails, right? You failed. (laughs) Sorry. And I failed. Yeah. Okay. We're okay. All right. The the catharsis has ended. Ended. Great. Cheryl has successfully (laughs) counseled herself out of her frustration with her husband right before your eyes. So you just got to observe a healing that took place right here at Creation Fest. <laughs> See, because she wouldn't hug me earlier. So the fact that she hugged me really is a good sign. So we're, we're back in action. We're going to make it to 40 years. We're going to do it. I think we can make it. <laughs> okay we got a few minutes left. I want to walk us through the rest of the text in regard to men. And then we're going to come to the, the most amazing thing about this 
is the mystery that Paul talks about. And I'm going to let Cheryl close with that part. So, but men, so we saw loving our wives as Christ loved the church, gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of water through the word. Now this is what Jesus does. He washes us with water through the word, but there's something here for men as well in ministering to our wives through the word. Now, Cheryl and I, we're both, you know, we're, we're both pretty strong and, and we realized in our early days, because in the early days of being married, and we heard all of the sort of ideal ways that Christian couples ought to live and so forth. And in our world where we came from, the idea was that the husband was to daily, you know, cleanse his wife for the washing of water through the word. That, mean, that meant we were to sit down and together and I'm going to open the Bible and I'm going to give her a little Bible study. She's just going to go, wow, that's amazing. Thank you. I'm so cleansed and refreshed. Praise the Lord. And that never really worked for us because I would share a passage and she would say, that's not what it means. No, it means this. So, you know, two sort of theologians in the marriage. Wait, when Brian first started doing the Bible, he'd be like, Jesus loves us. Wow. Cool. Hey, really cool. I was a surfer. That's all the language I had. (laughs) Cool was about the extent of my vocabulary. So I'd say, what does that really mean, though? Like, practically, that Jesus loves you means cool. Okay. So, so anyway, the point is this. We learned that that didn't work for us. Even though people told us that's how you have to do it. We learned, oh, that doesn't work for us. Here's what works for us. She loves the Bible. She meditates in it. She reads the scriptures voraciously studies God's word. I love the Bible. I read the word. So we, what we ended up doing is we would have our own times in God's word. And then at some point in the day, or maybe we didn't do it every day, but you know, sometime during the week, we would sit down and just talk to one another about the things that God was doing, the things that God was speaking to us, the things that God was showing us. And, and, you know, maybe a couple years into the marriage, we realized, well, that's what works for us. Now, here we are all these years later, and that's pretty much the way we do it still. We'll get up in the morning, she will have her coffee or tea, and she will be pouring over her Bible, and I'll get up, and I'll be reading my Bible. And then at some point, we'll just share back and forth the things that God has spoken to us, and we walk away encouraged. And so, um, just know that there's, there, there's sometimes there's a tendency to try to, it's got to be done this way. People develop methods, and maybe that's a good method for them. It really works for them, but then they want everybody else to do it too. This is the way you should study the Bible. This is the way you should have devotions. You know what? We're free to do what works for us according to the way God has made us. So, as husbands, men, so ministering to our wives through the word that we just share with them, uh, whatever way it works best. And then again, talking about Jesus to present her speaking of the church to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless in the same way. Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. So here's another, uh, example of how we love our wives, men. We love them like we love ourselves. And of course, what do we do with ourselves? 
we take care of ourselves. We think about ourselves. We feed ourselves. We groom ourselves. We do all those kinds of things. Well, that same kind of care and concern and consideration that we have for ourselves, this is the way we are to treat our wives. And then he says, after all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed it and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. And so it's for this reason, a man leaves his father and mother, united to his wife, the two become one flesh. And so men, again, the the primary responsibility in the marriage is on the man. And as we do what the scripture tells us to do, the wife will then respond just as the church responds to the Lord. Now, the only difference, of course, is that the Lord's perfect and, and we are not as men. So we're not always going to get this right. But guess what? There's grace. And we can go to the Lord just like I had to go to the Lord today and say, Lord, forgive me for being insensitive to Cheryl. She, I love her so much. I'm so thankful for her. And help me to make sure she knows that uh, today. And thank amen, you, Lord, amen, for, amen. for helping that to happen. We give you praise right now for that. Um, and that, that's, that, that's the way we do it. Because we do, we do fail. We don't always live up to the standard, right? But thank God we can always go back and say, Lord, forgive me. But we also have to go to the wife and say, honey, forgive me. And sometimes I say that sincerely, and sometimes I say it because I really want that meal that you're making, so I know if I keep this up, I'm not going to get to eat, so yeah, yeah, forgive me, I'm, I'm sorry, yeah, come on, now just make the food. Cheryl is a great cook, so she makes these amazing dinners, and she knows that sometimes uh, that's the way to get at me. She says, you better watch it. See this food right here that I'm making for you? I'm going to throw it away if you don't stop it. I'm going to give it to the poor. She's going to give it to the dog is what she's going to do. He's poor. So my point is simply this. We can, we can always get a fresh new start. And listen, men and women, it, it, here in the, the context of Ephesians, remember there's a passage, forgiving one another as God for Christ's sake forgave you. Probably the, the reason why marriages fail one of the number one reasons is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness becomes a root of bitterness and that root of bitterness corrupts you and it corrupts everything around you. And so we have to forgive one another. And you might say, well, I I don't know how to forgive them. That's understandable. But guess what? God will help you. God will help you to forgive because he forgave us and he has the power to help us forgive one another. So just remember that. And now, sweetheart, would you just finish up with the profound mystery um, talking about Christ and the church? You know, Tiva was talking earlier this week about hardness of heart and how that it will keep us from everything that God has for us. And he, he was talking to us about the disciples who didn't understand that the Lord had the power, which we're praying for this evening and tomorrow, to stop the storm. To say, be still to the winds and to stop the raging sea. 
But because of hardness of heart, they didn't realize that Jesus had that power. They stopped seeing Jesus for who he was and what he could do. And it's that same hardness of heart that Jesus said was the reason for divorce. It's because somebody's heart gets hard. Somebody stops forgiving. Somebody says, I don't want to feel. I don't want to love. I don't want to get hurt again. And, and that adds to this suppression too, because you just don't care. You just don't care. You just cut off all feelings. And, and that's what, when the man says, I just don't love, or the woman says, I don't love anymore. It's because they've cut off feelings and they've decided, I'm going to harden my heart. I don't want to feel. And what we live in is in a generation and time where people are numbing themselves. And they don't want to feel. As Paul talked about being past feeling. And we see people feeling, uh, numbing themselves with alcohol, with television, with internet, with Facebook. There are all sorts of different ways to numb. And it's not always alcohol or drugs. We found a plethora of ways to numb ourselves so we don't feel. But people who don't feel turn into corpses. It's so important to feel, to even feel hurt. If Brian and I had not had feelings yesterday and today, we would probably get up here and give you some little sermonette that you couldn't relate to at all. Marriage is perfect. Be ye perfect like Brian is perfect. Be ye perfect like Cheryl is perfect. But because we feel, our imperfections have shown. And because we're imperfect and because we're flawed, it makes the Spirit of God so necessary in our lives. And it makes for a spiritual relationship. It makes for a a humorous, fun, wonderful experience. I, I think that romance is an idol. I don't think marriage is. I'll just be honest. Uh, maybe they have confused romance with marriage. Those of us who are married know marriage is hard work. It takes cooperation. It takes forgiveness. It takes communication. And it takes keeping your heart soft and doing whatever it takes to keep the heart soft. It takes a lot of prayer. I pray for Brian every day. He prays for me once a week. We keep this up. Twice. Lord, bless her curry. He does pray. Lord, bless the hands that prepared my food. Very regularly. We, we, really quickly, we, we heard this story years ago, and sometimes we'll, we'll share it. Uh, I'll share it with her. And it was, it was a person, a, a man, his wife had died, and he was eulogizing her, and his eulogy was, she was such a hard worker. And once in a while, you know, Cheryl will talk about, you know, her dying before me or whatever, and I say, yeah, and I'm going to remind everybody she was such a hard worker. And now I got all that work to do now that she's gone. So, uh, it's funnier when it's between the two of us. Sorry about that. (laughs) You had to be there. Okay. The, 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 you know, Christ in the church, the picture of, um, you know, 
think, I the think profound it, mystery. I think it's burning on your heart. <laughs> no, it's burning on my heart for you to do it. <laughs> well, okay, I guess I do it. This is a profound mystery, Good. but I'm talking about Christ and the church. What is that telling us? God wants to use our marriages to show people the relationship between him and the church. That's what it is. And so we should keep that in mind. Again, not in a legalistic way, not in a WWJD wristband way, but in that way where grace and mercy and love and forgiveness and and all of those things are flowing and commitment and faithfulness and sacrifice, as we live like that together, we are showing the world the way God is in relation to his church. Many years ago now, Cheryl and I used to have a coffee place that we would go to regularly. And most of the people that worked in the coffee place were just, you know, normal people, not, not Christians. And there was a young lady that, that worked there and she saw us over the years and And one day she came and she sat with us, uninvited, but we were happy for her to come. She sat with us and she said, you know, I've been watching you guys for years now. And I want to know, like, what is your secret? You, you seem to really love each other. You seem to be friends. What, how, why, what? She was a young girl who was skeptical about relationships. And we just both looked at her and we said, well, you know, really, first and foremost, it's Jesus. And secondly, we're best friends. And that's what you're seeing worked out here. Uh, My point is, she saw something in us that we were able to then point her to Christ and say, this is what God wants to have with you. This is what God wants to have with the world. So we have um, kind of a gift of hospitality at our house, and we have a lot of young men or young women will come and stay with us. And Brian and I have become, you know, it's so funny, old, but we've become, um, I'll be 60 next year, but we've become the mother and the father of our church, and for many, the grandma and grandpa of the church. And it's a good place to be, to be the nana and to be the papa of the church, And to invite them into a family and to mother them and to father them and to show them what a father really looks like. To show them what a mother looks like because we are the body of Christ. And we have to realize on that plane that God wants to use us as a married couple to bring others into the family of God. And to exemplify Jesus in the church, but also to exemplify. There's a world out there that doesn't know what fathers are truly like. Because they've never seen one, or felt one, or heard one. They don't know what a mom is really like. Because their mom was cold, or neglectful, or abusive. And so we are the body of Christ. And we've just, you know, we're both in the, I like to think, the third trimester of our lives. (laughs) Next step is heaven. And we like to just invite people in. This, this is a marriage. And you are our sons and daughters and you are our family. And that honesty and that family relationship 
And, you know, it really makes growing old so fun and so okay. You know, I earned every line on my face. (laughs) All right. Well, God bless you. Thank you for, um, yeah, thank you for just everything that you've done just to be here. And um, it's been a fantastic week. Of course, we're not done yet. Uh, We do have a storm warning that's coming up. Sarah's going to tell you a little bit about that and some of the measures that we've taken for that. But we'd like to just pray uh, as we close. I'm going to have Cheryl pray uh, for everyone. Lord, we pray that you would bless these, your people, that you would make your face shine upon them, that you would bless them with peace and with joy and with strength, and they would know what it is not only to have grace for them, but to have grace in them and flowing out of them. Lord, make us supernatural, extraordinary couples, Lord, and that when people ask the secret of our joy, the secret of our healthy marriages, we can point to you, to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. Lord, may your name be lifted high and be glorified in every life, every heart here. May the world be turned upside down because of what you have spoken and what you have done this year, 2019 at Creation Fest. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.